What is up, my beautiful disabled disciples? I am back and here to be with you today on this Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. There's so much been going on. We will talk all about it right now on Handy Slapped. Hello, everyone. I am so pleased to be with you all again. I dearly apologize that I've taken so long to make another episode of Handy Schlepped. I do apologize because it is very unprofessional and I've just been going through a lot of transitions in my life. Uh, First of all, I moved out of my parents' home. I am in my own place with my caregivers and it's been a real shock I should say a real new experience that I knew would eventually come but to actually be in the moment of it to be within the transition has been very eye-opening and wonderful scary at times especially the first night going into it But then again, people like us, we learn a lot early in life to defend ourselves, so to speak, to um, come up with tactics and means to survive when we are in separate places. For example, a lot of us grew up in and out of hospitals, myself included. Um, so many times dealing with loneliness and separation and learning how to get through it and just no choice but to persevere, to be persistent in those moments, to be a survivalist. That's our whole life, lives is to be a survivalist. And that's what made, I think, in my opinion, made this transition relatively easier than I initially thought. If you'd asked me about this a couple of years ago, you know, like growing up throughout my 20s, wanting to make this transition sooner rather than later, I definitely do not think it would have happened as smoothly. As much as I would want it back then, I was not ready for it. Physically, I certainly was not prepared mentally and emotionally I may have thought I was but no I think I needed a year ago when I was a little over a year ago when I was in and out of the hospital for six or seven weeks for various health issues I think that was the final click in preparing me efficiently and appropriately for making the transition into um, coming into my independent way of living. Some of us, it was a lot earlier. Some of us, it's not going to be for a while yet. Or maybe you're up there with me and doing so at the age of 28, which to the average Joe, that's a little late and rather ridiculous. Nowadays, even if you're not disabled, that's not fairly uncommon anymore to move out of your homestead or your home whatever at the age of 28 or just your late 20s 
in general regarding the cost of living, the quality of living, the way of living is so different nowadays compared to our parents' days in the 80s, even the 90s at the latest, and how just it's so different now with how independent living or assisted living, if that's your thing too, has changed and grown and developed. And yet at the same time, we come to those points where as much as we want to expedite our independent or assisted living outside of our home roots, away from our guardians or parents or original caregivers, you have to really ask yourself, is this a time for me to do so? Am I really ready? I know that's a cliche thing to ask, but I think it goes for it without speaking that you really do need times of self-reflection to really think things through, how things are going to be done, and most importantly, am I mentally, emotionally, physically, or even spiritually prepared for such a large, significant transition? I think part of it is we try to make it not so much a big deal in the sense that all of our peers maybe be giving the uh, presentation that it's a common, quick transition that everyone does. You know, like uh, getting out of your parents' place, going to college, living in college on your own in your dorms or living outside of camp, off campus, or now even later, or even at the same time, uh, getting your own job, living on your own in your own apartment or house that you're renting or whatever it may be. I think what we always fail or often fail to tell ourselves is that we need to understand and accept that everyone does it at their own pace. Everyone experiences it differently. Everyone runs and walks at different paces. We all roll at different paces. It's never a race. Everything tries to tell us that it's a huge race to the finish line. Heck, even the Bible describes some things as a race, a sprint, a run, however you want to label it but not in the sense of keeping up with everyone around us, feeling like we need to be up to their pace and forget to be our own individual, to do things that may be even outside of the status quo, which, of course, is a huge aspect of being a millennial. Um, we are often outside of the status quo, but it's a little different when it comes to the disabled life and wanting to best emulate the non-disabled life. There come some boundaries that we want to skip over or we may not even have expected in the first place. It's okay to slow down. 
a little bit. It's okay to not fulfill the pathway as everybody else. Some of us may know this better than others, but you know what? We need that daily reminder. Go at your pace, the pace that God has given you to reach to the point where you need to be ready to make those transitions and not rush into them feeling like you need to be ahead of the curve as everybody else is. Why do we have to feel like we must do so like everybody else? Community. If we're not in that community, we're an outcast. If we're not keeping up with the Joneses, we're an outcast. If we're not following the latest trends or anything like that, or moving out when we, when we feel like we want to move out or we don't have the ideal job or the ideal partner at a specific age, making up our own timetables for our lives to fulfill X, Y, and Z at a specific time. That is not at all how life is supposed to be. And unironically, if it works for you, that's great too. And that's the thing, we need to be open-minded with ourselves. We hear so much about being open-minded with other people, open-minded to new ideas, ways of thought, etc. But we don't always think about being open-minded with ourselves and being real with ourselves and letting ourselves grow naturally. Instead, we want to either grow up quickly or we want to regress and live in nostalgia land all the time because that's our safe zone where it's everything is expected the way to go to plan. There's no way of fearing the unexpected and there's no way of fearing the unknown when we make ourselves live in that nostalgia land where everything is comfortable, familiar, and known to us. It's fun to go there on visits, but somewhere you never want to live. And if we do live there, we don't grow into the person God has called us to be. And that's not always our fault, though. On the other hand, we may feel like we're stuck in our lives stuck in our patterns, stuck in our relationships. And I've been thinking a lot about this throughout the few, the several weeks of my absence and with everything we do, choose to do and experience and our responses to those experiences, how does that play into the question of why do we love who we love. Why are we attracted to those people? Obviously, there's a lot of scientific explanations for that. You could look at it through sociology. You could look at it through even genetics, lifestyle, the way people are, psychology, of course, all of that. There are so many ways to interpret that question of why do we love who we love? And does that get sticky or weird when limitations are involved. 
What do I mean by that? Let's say, well, let's talk about disabled love again. So uh, one of our favorite topics among the disabled community is how do we factor in our disability into our own laws of attraction? Does it differ? Are they uh, significant? Or is it just us reading into things that aren't even there? Well, when you think about being a disabled person who is in love with whoever you're in love with, how does your situation, your lifestyle, your disability factor into how you view this person? In short, how does your disability affect your feelings towards someone else? Does it make you happy? Does it make you excited? Or does it make you nervous because you feel like your disability is going to negatively affect the relationship or damage it or compromise it or create some kind of power struggle? I mean, anything is possible, but those are fair concerns to have. And you're not selfish for having those concerns, not in the slightest. So if you feel that way, I'm right there with you, my friend. There are many reasons to feel the w- that way about relationships and the way we love other people. Love is complicated. They say it's simple, but it's a very complicated, I'm not going to say feeling, but it's a very complicated action. Love is something we do, something we impose, or I should say something we pursue and try to bring and showcase and exemplify to other people and the ones closest to us. And to do all this with problems in between unconditionally. I think a big struggle I have is that how do I love intentionally with action in helping someone else when I can't do any kind of help for myself? In other words, how can I help others if I can't help myself. I think it's a big issue that I struggle with, have struggled with for years, and has been an X factor in how I pursue relationships, or better yet, how I may operate the pursuit of the relationship. And then that goes for a lot of us too. We can have the confidence and confidence is key, but if you don't have it, it's not going to go anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're disabled. If you're sorry, if you're disabled or not, if you don't have that confidence and that boldness appropriately, of course, then no, you're not going to get so far. But most importantly, when you think about how we love people. We think about, of course, how will my caregiving and my needs affect the relationship? And that's the struggle that 
I always want to look at and talk about because it's a thing. It's like, how do we love and receive caregiving when we know deep down we can never reciprocate that same care to them? Now, of course, we can say that it's not about that, and it's not. Relationships are not 50-50, 100-100, at least in my opinion. But on day one, it's going to be 30-70. Or on day two, it'll be 75-25. Or on day three, it'll be 90-10. and 10. You know, it's going to be fluctuative. It's going to shift. It's going to be constantly fluid and changing. It's not a set parameter of do's and don'ts, per se. It's more so how can we adjust to the relationship or the relationship itself in accordance to what we are going through today. Will there be a time when the wife has to do significantly more work and care for the husband and vice versa. Yes, because there are going to be times when that does happen in the sense of, let's say, uh, you are a husband and your wife has cancer. The whole idea of being there for each other when you first fell in love and got married, that's going to change now. How much more will the husband need to do for his wife who is going through this tragic battle and will it be successful the idea of that your wife or your partner however you want to look at it is not going to be able to be that reciprocal is a very defeating and challenging thought but it can also be a very hopeful one because it brings out the rawness and the reality of the backbone of the relationship and what it's actually based upon. Is the relationship based only on sex? Like if we take away the sex and the physicality of it, does that still leave you with that genuine love? If the uh, gender roles have to change, or the work roles, whatever it may be, if those have to change or adapt, is that going to change the way you feel about each other? These are the questions that we must think about and reflect upon before thinking about administering to a serious relationship. Because when you love who you love, you're not just loving them because you feel like it or because it's a feeling that you have towards someone. You know, just because we may love someone dearly, it doesn't always mean that that person is the one for us. That sounds a little crazy, I know, but hear me out here. Now, we may feel like we are in love with two or three people but only one may be the one that we should 
be with or the one that we need or the one that they need, whatever. But again, we have to think about, I really like this person a lot. Maybe I even love this person, but does that mean they are the one I should pursue? Not always. There are a lot of things to think about there. And so this comes into, will your partner be your caregiver? Are you going to separate uh, the caregiving by this, your partner solely? Or are you going to have your partner do some of the caregiving, um, bring in paid caregivers to do other parts of the caregiving? That's a big recommendation I hear a lot. And to, to bring off the balance because that can be very complex in love and the fulfillment of your physical needs. It can be very complicated and it can get a little messy. So however you decide to do that, find a way to keep that balance of love and care. Because, of course, and um, this is speaking from the men's side, of course, and being a man, you don't want to feel like you're being a burden on your partner or your wife or whoever. That's the last thing you want to feel like. But if it's true love and they are still around, that's a keeper. And that's something we have to swallow, too, to realize that even as a man in the relationship, you're not always going to be the breadwinner or the provider, regardless of how we are taught it. It's not always going to be that way. And if you're willing to be open, communicative about that and adapt to it as a couple, that's going to really give you some leeway and advantage in the relationship. That's going to be another stronghold. But on top of all that, it comes down to prayer. Are you praying together as partners? Praying for your partner during your private time? Praying for your relationship together or again in your private time how what are you doing in your alone time to help the relationship you may be separated about it for a few hours or several hours or even days but what are you doing to pursue in the midst of that alone time how are you nurturing it? how are you watering those plants and how often are you watering those plants? You know, relationships and love being in action. Again, it's like your brain or it's like a muscle. You have to nurture it. You can't just get into it and give it a little bit of time and just let it sit on the side and expect it to take care of itself. No, it requires brutal honesty, open communication, maybe even some boundaries and balance and of course prayer i ask you to pray with me today for someone you may be interested in 
someone you're already with, or you have no idea who they are, but you pray for whatever God's will is in your life for love and care, even if it's caring for yourself, because maybe you just haven't gotten the time to really self-reflect and bring care to yourself. You know, sometimes you have to learn how to fend for yourself and you don't want other people to care for you. You know, it's complicated, but that's why we're going to pray about it right now, together as a group. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all who are listening to this episode. Whatever ways of love we may be confused about or struggling with, feeling like we don't deserve love, feeling like we don't know how to give it because it's never been given to us, not knowing how to forgive and love others. Lord God, the way you have forgiven and loved us, help us to do so, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to, finally, episode 49 of Handy Schlepp. I am your host, Reverend Jordan Schrader. Whatever you need, reach out on Facebook or on facebook.com slash Jordan Schrader or reach me out on email at jordanrobert71 at gmail.com. I know I've said this a million times, but I really want to push myself to get the Discord ready so we can all communicate on there as a group. Thank you so much for everything. Take care, stay safe, and as always, God bless.